It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Lights for Monday, February 13th. I'm Todd Moe. Monica Sandresky has the day off. Towns around the North Country have been ironing out their short-term rental regulations. Lake Placid spent years debating the issue and ultimately decided to fold things in, like Airbnbs into their zoning codes. It was seen as controversial. Nobody wants to be told how to use their property, right? So, unfortunately, that's what zoning is, and this is why we put it in our zoning law, because it's basically zoning. We're telling you what you can do and where you can do it. Saranac Lake is still working on its draft regulations for short-term rentals. Emily Russell has more coming up. Also, one of Canada's most beloved winter traditions is skating on the Rideau Canal, but this winter, it still hasn't frozen solid enough for open skating. Skating along the canal... I feel like it's kind of like a Canadian bucket list item, and I came all this way to not do it because it's a record-breaking year. I'm so sad. While there are many live music venues in the North Country, living and working as a musician here can feel a little isolating. The Potsdam punk band Sunfloor embraces the region's seclusion. Doyle Dean caught up with the group during a recent rehearsal. That's coming up on Northern Light. Stay tuned. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by the Village Mercantile, bringing Saranac Lake to places beyond the Adirondacks, offering Adirondack-made and inspired goods, villagemerc.com, anything but general. And by Apothecary Chocolates, making gourmet chocolates by hand from all natural herbs, botanicals, and tree syrups, apothecarychocolates.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Todd Moe. Local officials in Saranac Lake are meeting tonight to continue the debate over short-term rentals. It took Lake Placid and Old Forge years to finalize their regulations. Some say options like Airbnbs and Verbo displace locals and change the character of the community. Others think they'll, they'll bring good business to the area. At times, the debate has been really controversial. It escalated in Saranac Lake last month with a call to the cops. Emily Russell has the details. Saranac Lake has been talking for years about regulating short-term rentals. Most folks agree it's something that needs to happen. That's why, says Mayor Jimmy Williams, they're narrowing in on a draft set of regulations. This is the first step at a very, very complicated problem that if we don't get ahead of, we're going to lose our sense of community. Now the debate is over exactly how to regulate short-term rentals. One option is to write a brand new law for the village. Another is to fold them into the development code, essentially making short-term rentals a zoning issue. William says he wants the village to find a good, fair middle ground. My job is to try and make sure everyone feels that they've had input that it was a law that we came up with together, that everyone had their chance to speak, and that there's a compromise struck. To strike that compromise, the village has been hosting public work sessions. About 20 people from the community showed up at the last one in late January, including Paul Van Cott. He's lived in Saranac Lake for 30 years and has close ties to the village. I had two terms that I served on the village of Saranac Lake Village Board of Trustees, 
And until recently, I spent two years working as village attorney. He also has decades of legal experience with land use and zoning, including short-term rental regulations. And Cott is pretty passionate about the topic. Within minutes of the recent work session on the issue, though, Van Cott interjected himself, disagreeing with something the mayor said. He and Williams went back and forth. And then... Hey, Chief, uh, this is Jimmy Williams over at our meeting room in the village office. The mayor picked up the phone and called the cops. I've got uh, a person who will not respect the rules of the meeting, and I'd like him removed, and he won't leave on his own accord. But the rest of the board doesn't think he should be removed. It is uh, Paul Van Cott. I was shocked. And, and at that point, I said, you don't need to do that. Call him back and tell him I'm leaving. Van Cott was speaking out of line, not during public comment. Williams has described that as disrespectful and inefficient. One of the opinions Van Cott was trying to get across was that he thinks short-term rentals should be a zoning issue regulated by the development board. He doesn't think the village should write a whole new separate law for them. Van Cott also thinks anyone who wants a short-term rental permit should have to answer to the board at a public hearing. By going to the development board, neighbors would have an opportunity to talk about impacts that they're experiencing and have experienced or that they may potentially experience. Like noise levels, parking, or safety issues. Van Cott says the development board would act as a kind of referee. But Mayor Jimmy Williams isn't convinced. He says neighbors can already report an issue to code enforcement or police. Williams says the goal of short-term rental regulations is to make sure they're safe and respectful. I don't know if that's accomplished by a town hall meeting where property owners and neighbors are both trying to make a case to a group of individuals that don't have any law to follow. New York doesn't really have a statewide set of regulations for short-term rentals. That's why Saranac Lake is drafting its own right now. It's also why places like Old Forge and Lake Placid spent years finalizing their own regulations. It's a big experiment, right? The whole country's going through it right now. That's Michael Ordicelli. He's a code enforcement officer and building inspector in Lake Placid. The village and town of North Elba adopted their regulations last year. They lumped them into their land use and zoning codes, though they didn't require a public hearing for every permit. Still, Ordicelli says the way they regulate short-term rentals is controversial. Nobody wants to be told how to use their property, right? So unfortunately, that's what zoning is. And this is why we put it in our zoning law, because it's basically zoning. We're telling you what you can do and where you can do it. Old Forge came to the same conclusion last year, lumping it into land use and zoning. They too had their own heated town halls. Here's local motel owner Steve Hopeful at a meeting last summer. We don't have a housing shortage crisis. We have a zoning crisis and we have a short-term rental crisis. We need to protect our bachelor's. Old Forge and the town of Webb went through 12 drafts of regulations before they finalized theirs last fall. Town Supervisor Bonnie Baker says short-term rentals have surged in popularity there in the last decade. We have many times in the summertime where our hotels and motels are completely full, and then these short-term rentals are full too. This is where the sense of urgency comes from. Saranac Lake Mayor Jimmy Williams says he feels that urgency. He says he's focused on creating a law that's easy and clear for everyone. It's got to be verifiable. It's got to be enforceable. And it's got to be simple so that people don't feel that there's moving goalposts when they go to apply for a permit. It's either you qualify 
by the law that's been set out or you don't. Williams wants to see a final law take shape by spring. As for Paul Van Cott, he says he's hopeful the village will settle on a law that gives locals a sense of agency. I ask him whether he plans to go back to the village board meetings. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm, I'm not, you know, I live here. Uh, I've been here for over 30 years. This is my home. I care very much about this village. That deep passion in Van Cott's voice is what fuels a lot of folks on both sides of this debate. The Saranac Lake Village Board is expected to discuss its short-term rental draft regulations at its meeting tonight. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio, Saranac Lake. A longtime environmental advocate and champion of wildlife in New York State has died. Ward Stone was the Department of Environmental Conservation's wildlife pathologist from 1969 until his retirement in 2010. He did countless interviews and appearances about how pollution affects New York's wildlife. He was instrumental in publicizing the dangers of cancer-causing PCBs, including in the St. Lawrence River and in Aquasasne Mohawk Territory. He also hosted a long-running show called In Our Backyard on public radio station WAMC. According to the Albany Times Union, Stone died last week at Columbia Memorial Hospital in Hudson after a long illness. He was 84. A new bill in the state legislature would shift the responsibility of reducing plastic and paper waste onto the companies that create them. WSHU's J.D. Allen reports. The proposal puts the onus on corporations that make more than $1 million a year to reduce the amount of plastic and paper packaging they use to relieve the burden currently placed on local governments. Over 15 million tons of waste goes into landfills in New York, including waste from over 2 million people that ends up on the last remaining landfill on Long Island. The Brookhaven landfill will stop accepting construction debris in 2024 and only accept tons of ash disposed of from waste incinerators. Adrian S. Bezito is the executive director of Citizens Campaign for the Environment. We're burning garbage and we're throwing it in landfills. We did that a thousand years ago. We are using 18th century technology in a 21st century world. The proposal is expected to save New York's local governments over $200 million a year. For North Country Public Radio, I'm J.D. Allen. Get more news all the time on our website at ncpr.org. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's coming up on 12 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. Monica Sandresky has the day off. Coming up in just a few minutes, a profile of the Potsdam punk band Sunfloor. Hear more of their music and conversation coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned.
This is Connor Mail Trio out of Potsdam. You can hear more of their music on our website. They're part of our underscore project. Check it out anytime. ncpr.org slash underscore. Northern Light is supported by St. Lawrence Health, committed to keeping the community healthy and safe by providing vaccines for patients to strengthen their defenses. stlawrencehealthsystem.org Highs today in the upper 30s, low 40s. The weather service says partly cloudy, light winds out of the east. A high near 40 tomorrow. And maybe some rain on Wednesday. Milder temperatures Wednesday and Thursday. Highs upper 40s, low 50s. One of Canada's most iconic winter traditions is ice skating through downtown Ottawa on the Rideau Canal. Right in the heart of Canada's capital, it's the longest naturally frozen skating rink in the world. Or it's supposed to be. This year, it hasn't been cold enough to freeze. Lucy Grindon reports. Some people are still holding out hope that the canal will open for skating this year. Bruce Devine is the Senior Manager of Facilities and Programs for Canada's National Capital Commission. He's in charge of the team of workers who get the canal ready for skaters. When it's cold enough, they pour water over the ice that's already on the canal, so it'll freeze and make the ice thicker. We're still uh, we're very positive. You see, last week we had uh, minus 40, minus 29, so we water it every every evening. And... Um, so it's, we've got some good ice, but it's not skatable at the moment. He says he misses skating on the canal. The joy of seeing all these smiles uh, on people's face, enjoying their time, and others learning how to skate. and uh, It's a great feeling to be out there and, and see the, uh, the immensity of the ice and how long it is. They're working hard to try to get at least one section of the canal opened up before winter is over. But Devine says the canal usually closes by late February or early March, so time is running out. For now, people have to settle for artificial rinks, like the one on the plaza right outside Ottawa City Hall. Julia Daniel is here, giving her friend Nikita Nineza a lesson. you got to make sure your feet are straight, and then push out. And then when you push, you might want to lean on one foot, and then go out. <laughs> Two of their other friends are zooming right behind them. One guy stumbles. He grabs the other guy's arm and... Oh! <laughs> Are you good? Hold on. <laughs> they land right on top of each other. The canal is just steps away. You can see the tops of its walls from the rink. This kind of fun skating action should be happening there. I feel like it's kind of like a Canadian bucket list item. And I came all this way to not do it because it's a record-breaking year. I'm so sad. That's Alex Jones. They came all the way from the Northwest Territory for a national climate conference. And one of their friends, who's from Ontario, really sold them on this Canadian dream. Skating along the canal. There's the warming huts. You can buy a beaver tail. I had visions of, you know, double fisting, beaver tail in one hand, hot chocolate in the other hand, just skating the full seven and a half kilometers or so of the canal. Skating the canal was actually one of the planned activities for the climate conference. But the canal didn't freeze enough, as it has every other winter since 1971, when it was opened for skating for the first time. 
Jones has given up on it this winter. It's not going to be thick enough. It's not going to freeze. But at least one part of the Ottawa winter fantasy can still come true. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fried dough, right? Oh, my God. It's so good. It's where it's at. The Beaver Tail. My name is Stephen Clark. I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am the Beaver Tail's operation and maintenance supervisor. Every year as a kid, I'd go and get a beaver tail and go skate on the canal, so I'm really just following in the footsteps of so many uh, people who grew up in Ottawa and live in Ottawa. We'll always have fried dough. Lucy Grindon, North Country Public Radio. This is Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio on this Monday, February 13th. It is 8.17. I'm Todd Moan. Monica will be back later this week. Thank you so much for listening this morning. The uh, weather service says a uh, mix of sun and clouds today, but mild temperatures. Highs, upper 30s, low 40s, and light winds out of the east. Maybe a light wintry mix tonight and possibly into tomorrow as well. Continued Relatively mild tomorrow, highs near 40 on Tuesday, light winds out of the west. Highs near 50 and maybe in the 50s uh, Wednesday and Thursday with some scattered rain on uh, or snow showers in the morning on Wednesday and then mostly cloudy skies on Thursday. Friday, the Weather Service says some scattered showers uh, or a wintry mix. A 90% chance of mixed precipitation on Friday, highs in the upper 30s. And uh, then the extended forecast for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, uh, daytime highs in the 20s and 30s. Right now in Canton, uh, mostly sunny skies and 24 degrees. The North Country is home to countless musicians playing countless musical styles. Classical, jazz, country, bluegrass, soul, rock, you name it. While there are venues to play and hear live music in many corners of the region, the North Country does have challenges, and some artists say they feel secluded and need to travel far from home to play shows. Doyle Dean stopped by a recent rehearsal held by the Potsdam punk band Sunfloor. Drummer and NCPR producer Ethan Shanty says he's come to appreciate the North Country's isolation. There have been a lot of occasions in my life where I thought like, well, maybe if we just lived in Albany or we lived in Buffalo or we lived in you know, New York City or Burlington, we'd have more opportunities to play shows. But if that happened, we wouldn't write the music that we do. So there has been a very positive side to this seclusion. We are... Sunflower, I'm Carter. We're here in Potsdam, New York, in Ethan's backyard. Just doing a quick intermission from rehearsal. Beautiful snowy day here in Potsdam. I love overcast snowy days in the winter. It just, like, puts me at peace. It's, uh definitely 
in instrument-based music, the vocals are incredibly important, but they really are much closer married to the instruments than, you know, like a traditional rock band or any other music group. And so, so much of the impetus is on the band to like write something really cool, like write some really cool riffs, some really zany stuff, which is very much our brand, and just make it rocking and give Jeff something fun to work with. This is Ethan. Piggybacking on what Carter said, you know, with bands like this, I have always thought of the vocalist as just another instrument uh, because it's so aggressive and sometimes the the lyrics are um, indistinguishable and so you're you're just sort of creating this like ferocious sound and I think that we used to be a heavier band I think we really used to focus on being kind of aggressive and it's not that we didn't want to play aggressive music but I think that as we've evolved, we've kind of gotten into this like rock and roll zone. I think that's what we strive for. Like, you know, uh, a solid like rock and roll riff with a good melody, a driving drum beat, a cool bass line and vocals that you can kind of like sink your teeth into and, and hook onto. So like, I kind of think that we do play pretty music. You know, I don't like, I know that it's aggressive and then it's not for everybody, but I do think that if you take a minute and, and try to absorb it, you'll find that it's not just aggressive. It's not just screaming. There's, it's very deliberate and intentional. My name's Jeff. It's really great that even though we're kind of a little off what is regular within our respective music, it's still able to work. We're still able to release music and have people be excited about it. I'm Jim Doran. I play bass with these guys. The band started when I was still in high school, so I'm constantly thankful to have found great people to work with and keep doing what we all love doing. When the opportunities aren't there, it's easy for people to get the idea of like, well, I just live in Little Potsdam, you know, I can't, you know, just go on one tour, you know, sleep on somebody's floor, not shower for five days. And it's like, yeah, you can do that, you know, even in Little Potsdam. And so it's, yeah, I don't want to make it see, you know, give the impression that we think we're inspiring people, but I hope any other musicians are looking at maybe seeing that we've seen some success and being like, wow. I think we could do that. And, I'm, and we're all here to, to tell you, yes, like we have been a band for 13 years almost. And it took all of those 13 years, which is a little slow, but we're finally at a point where we're having a blast with it. We 
We just heard from Carter, Jim, Jeff, and Ethan from the Potsdam punk band Sunfloor. There's a link to a video interview and more of their music on our website, ncpr.org. The band is headed back into the studio this spring. Doyle Dean produced this piece as part of our Underscore project. And there's more information on the artists we feature at ncpr.org slash underscore. Coming up on 25 minutes past 8, Northern Light is supported by St. Lawrence Health, committed to keeping the community healthy and safe by providing vaccines for patients to strengthen their defenses, stlawrencehealthsystem.org. And just a reminder that uh, often the stories you hear on North Country Public Radio come from listeners. Our texting club is a great way to... Stay in touch and be in touch with NCPR, and we're looking for story ideas. Tell us about something good happening in your neck of the woods that you think is worth reporting on. It could be music or musicians, bands. Maybe it's a new business or a program or just a person who makes your community better. Text TIP, T-I-P, to 315-978-6277. Give us the details. That's the word TIP. To three one five nine seven eight six two seven seven. If you don't text, you can always email us radio at ncpr.org. I'm Todd Mo. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning. I just want to remind you of a few items on our community calendar. Uh, you do need to stop by the Strand Center for the Arts in Plattsburgh. They have this really cool exhibit called Community Threads that showcases the work of uh, a number of artists. Uh, it's part of their Fiber Art February. Community Threads showcases the talents of local fiber artists, including Patricia Downs, Suzanne Hokinson, Martha Jackson, and Mona Ray Grubbs. And also showcases the work of home and career skills from sixth grade students at Stafford Middle School in Plattsburgh. Uh, there was an opening reception over the weekend, but it continues uh, at uh, uh, the Strand Center for the Arts in Plattsburgh through March 25th. They're on Brinkerhoff Street. Check it out. Uh, Community Threads uh, continues at the Strand Center for the Arts in Plattsburgh. And I think there are probably some uh, uh, chances for you to help uh, create some art as well uh, as part of that uh, month-long uh, uh, salute to fiber art in Plattsburgh. Check out their website, strandcenter.org, for more information. Also, do use our website uh, as a resource for finding out what's going on in uh, in our community. And uh, that's at ncpr.org uh, slash calendar. The uh, Saranac Lake Free Library uh, this Thursday morning from 8 to 9 is hosting the uh, Saranac Lake Chamber of Commerce for the uh, third Thursday of the month, Coffee Hour. And they're going to be talking about Saranac Lake's first Friday, what's working, what's not, uh, you know, how you can help, how you can volunteer. Again, that's coming up this Thursday morning, 8 to 9 uh, a.m. Uh, at the Saranac Lake Free Library, um, free for members and non-members. Uh, and again, if you want more information, you can call 518 891 1990. That's the Saranac Lake Chamber of Commerce. They'll be talking about their uh, the uh, Saranac Lake First Friday event at the library Thursday morning from 8 to 9. 
Also, just a reminder, there's an ongoing exhibit in Potsdam, the Racket River, past and present and future. The exhibit explores the history of the Racket River from pre-contact to the present, including logging, fishing, paper mills, ecology, boating, ice, hydropower, fall island, sandstone, aerial views, all happening at the Potsdam Public Museum in the Civic Center. Uh, uh, the Racket River exhibit continues through the end of April at uh, the Potsdam Public Museum. Check that out. And again, you can find more information about those events and many others on our website, ncpr.org slash calendar. And that's Northern Light for this Monday, February 13th. Stick around for news from NPR, more Morning Edition. Northern Light is, is produced by a really stupendous team of people. Kara Chapman, Amy Fye-Reisel, Lucy Grindon, Emily Russell, our news director, David Summerstein, my co-host, Monica Sandresky. She's back in just a couple of days. And reach out. We want to hear from you. As we say, a lot of our stories come from listeners. Let us know. Uh, reach out. You can text us, tip at 315-978-6277, or email us, radio at ncpr.org. I'm Todd Mo. Thanks for listening. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>